the main thing for me is like people want information people want to be involved people want to get uh their like uh serious programming you know like sometimes when you listen to the english programming in in kcyx those are intelligent and provoking conversations and you sometimes you, you listen to it and you learn something and, and you take that for granted because our spanish community they want to listen to things like that but they don't have an uh, outlet for it i mean uh Mendo latino does that and they do a great job bringing like really interesting conversations on the air but uh, but there is room for many more conversations and more local information. I mean, we, we went through a pandemic and it was, it could be a life changing event if you can listen to things in your own language. It's very different. If you can listen to something and you don't have to translate it in your head, it, it makes an impact in your life. Victor Palomino served as KZYX news director from June to January. With a 20-year history in community radio and outreach to Spanish speakers in North Carolina and Kentucky, his mission here was to conduct outreach and research on that community in Mendocino County and to create Spanish-language programming as well as a bilingual newscast for the station. He leaves us after six months to work at Radio Bilingue in Fresno. He grew up in Bogota, Colombia. I was lucky to be born in a very progressive family in a kind of like conservative country. So <laughs> so that opened the door for me to be always kind of like an artistic and uh, thinking in a different way kind of child and young person. So I went to film school. That's what I got my degree from. And, and yeah, it was a great time. And even though the 90s in Colombia were some of the most violent times in our country and we were inside uh what it was called uh armed conflict or something like that it wasn't it wasn't called a civil war but at the same time you still have to do your routines and things i mean you realize that when you leave the country that it really does affect you every day but it was fine. It was a really great place to live. So I was lucky to be in Bogota. Then at that time it was a very cosmopolitan city, one of the biggest capitals of Latin America. I was always surrounded by great art, by great films, by great music, great festivals. So, so yeah, I guess that's what uh, uh, inspired me to always kind of like be creative and look for different things. And I guess I always wanted to travel and see the world. So when I finished my um, my studies, my, when I finished my film school, I, I just packed and started moving and ended up living in the United States. What was your English instruction before you came to the States? It was very basic. It was, I took uh, English in high school, like you always have like that option of a second language, but it was, and it was just very, very, very basic. When I first moved to North Carolina, one of the first things that I noticed was like, uh, in Latin America, they don't teach you accents in English. So when I was faced with the Southern accent in, in, in Charlotte, North Carolina, where I was, it was, yeah, it was, I, I realized that, yeah, I have enough English to move around. But I have to learn. And that's basically where I moved to Charlotte the first year. I, I signed up into English as a second language program at the and community college in Charlotte. 
and that's why I I kind of like relearn English. That time was like the first time living outside of Colombia, and I met friends that I still close to them, and uh, and Colombian friends. Like I was meeting Colombians and Venezuelans, a lot of people from Latin America outside of uh, Latin America, and that's a really interesting experience. Like how you get those little connections with people. And so that was, was pretty good. And I played music. So we had like a band and we played some, we're trying to make like a flamenco style fusion music and working in restaurants. And it, it was a great experience. I mean, it's something that opened my eyes to the beauty of the world, you know, the beauty of like meeting people and traveling and seeing different cultures and, 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 and dream about making movies and doing, <laughs> and doing things like that and writing. And, and then after that, I went back to Colombia and I took some time traveling. I went to Europe. My brother was living in Germany. So I went there for a little bit and traveled around Europe a little bit and ended up uh, living in Israel for almost a year. I, I was a volunteer in a kibbutz in the south of Israel. And that was also another experience that kind of like life-changing experience where you get to first get to know such a different culture like Israel, get to try to understand a little bit about the conflict, the politics, even though I was in the middle of nowhere in a kibbutz. and and But I had the chance to live together with people from all kinds of different countries, from South Africa, from Costa Rica, from Vietnam, from England, from Germany. It affected me a lot of, about thinking about humanity and the things that make us different and the things that make us similar and how much similarities we have. And like the most of the things that divide us are just like cultural or simple things, but in, in, inside we're all, all the same. So I was very idealistic in that time. <laughs> what year was that that you were this in? This was in 2000, so 22 okay. years ago. And you first came to the U.S., what year was that? It was uh, 98, 99. I was in my early 20s, yeah. I was in my early 20s. I, was, I had no problem with the, uh, just traveling with a backpack and city player <laughs> in that time. <laughs> but then I came back here to the United States and ended up going back to North Carolina. And by that time, my friends were in Asheville, North Carolina. And I went there and I really liked the space. I liked the, the mountains. It was a really nice small town then and with a lot of artists, a lot of music, a lot of uh, things. So I just fell in love with the place. Fell in love with my ex-wife and ended up settling in North Carolina. And that's when I first discovered community radio. And that's when I, like around 2003, 2004, that's when I first got involved with WPVM. That was my first community radio station. And what did you do there? How did you start out? And where, where did you end up? They had a... An hour of Spanish language programming once a day. And when I got involved, I actually was working with the library system in, um, in Hendersonville where I was living. And I was hired to do the Spanish language programming and materials and just getting, getting them started with Spanish language. And a friend of mine had a radio show 
at the station and she invited me to talk about the library system and I went there uh, for an interview on a Monday something like that and I love it because I I, I did radio in in college like uh, when I was starting filming during one semester we did a, a radio program and I, I really like it I really love it and so my friend when she invited me in when we finished the interview she was like you know I'm not going to be able to continue doing this hour and I was like well I can take it from you <laughs> and I, the next day I was just hosting the show there was no training or anything and but I ended up being kind of like coordinating the Spanish language programming there they they wanted to get the Latino community involved so some of the leaders of the Latino community there well, got to make sure that they have like that Spanish language hour that was in the early 2000s, and that was when North Carolina was starting uh, to have like a big wave of immigrants going there. But there is always some drama in every organization. So uh, half of the volunteers on that station they move on, and other ones, uh, the other half stay at the station. The ones who move on, uh, they created what is today Asheville FM, and that's the second community radio station that I was part of. I use my, what I call my privilege of being able to speak the language and kind of like navigate the, in learning to navigate the, the, the United States system. I try to use that to help others, to help other immigrants and other Latinos that might not have the same skills that I have, but I can help to open bridges. And, and that's something that I did with my ex-wife that we were, we got really involved in activism from the Latino community. It was also a time where the country started very aggressive anti-immigrant policies and anti-immigrant persecutions and, and empowering the police to serve as immigrant agents with 287G and all these different policies. So it was a moment for me and my wife and my friends to get active. And it was a moment also to open the door and create spaces for, for the Latino community. So it was not only radio, I was also working as an artist, as an ambition artist. So I started to show my artwork, but I also started creating spaces for immigrants to show, show their work and having different conversations about immigration. So that's mm -hmm. kind of like my, what my path took me to. So when I moved to Asheville FM, I was there too, and I, I, I got back to radio doing, uh, I was working with this AIDS, AIDS awareness, um, program and I got the idea to make a radio novella, like a, uh, uh, radio theater as an outreach to, to bring awareness about HIV and AIDS. And I went back to my friends at the radio station. Uh, they loved the idea. We did. A serious kind of like, I think it was like 10 episodes. I wrote this story. We did a call for the community for voice actors. We got a group together and kind of like in a week and a half, we recorded everything that we edited. We put it on the air and it was, it was a great experience. It got a really good, really good. I mean, it was a really good outreach tool. I, when I did that, I was like, Oh, I guess it's time to come back to radio. So <laughs> I went back to Asheville FM and started volunteering with them and I did all kinds of different uh, positions with them. I ended up being the news director there and co-director. And that's when I had my weekly 
Spanish language program that is kind of like similar to what, what we do here is just having a place for information in Spanish about what was going on in that area at that time. You know, it was a, it was an interesting journey because the first question for me what is was like okay what is it to be a latino and when you go through the process of nationalizing in this country and and starting to learn the the history and start to learn what it means to be a national of one country and start thinking about your own person as a national of another country a lot of things go on your mind about identity like who are you what what, what are you doing who who, who you really are and he started thinking of like, okay, when when I'm in Colombia, I don't think about myself as a Latino. You know, I'm, I'm a Colombian, you know, I'm a, like a guy from Bogota. And but when you're here in this country, you are a Latino, even if you don't think about it. So that's kind of something that brings you together. I learn about the differences in privilege and like the different ways that people immigrate to this country. Like, for example, I was, I have the privilege to come here with a visa and knowing a little bit about the language to get myself around. I had a job with a migrant clinic and I was, for a long time, I was working, going to fields where migrant workers were there were, uh, that go pretty much all the eastern coast from Florida to Maine, uh, picking up the harvest. And when they were in North Carolina, I used to go with a mentor of mine to the to the fields, and I was like a health educator for them. And we used to take them to the to the clinic if they were sick, and and doing translations for them. So I got to hear a lot of stories of people crossing the border or even crossing many borders to get here and start like uh, looking at poverty in this country that I sometimes had, that I didn't recognize, I didn't realize that exists. And like looking at these people working on the fields and then just going to the mobile homes that when you were driving, you will think that those small homes were abandoned. But when you get closer, you find like a group of 12, 15 guys just living there. And when you talk to them, it's like they have no idea where they are. They have no idea what is around. They just know that they're going from one place to another, picking up the tomatoes that you're going to put on your table the, ne the next month or something like that. So that's that was one of the main differences of getting to know other Latin Americans and getting to realize it's like, what is my identity as a person? What is my identity as a Colombian? What is my identity as becoming, uh, uh, starting to become a, a naturalized U.S. citizen? And, and realizing that privilege takes a, a big, uh, it, it may, it changed your life and how do you use that privilege then to the benefit of others and not just to take advantage of others. So it was a, it was an incredible journey. I, I use my visual art in that time to translate a lot of those thoughts, like my paintings and the things that I was trying to, uh, portray in the, in that moment, uh, had a lot to do with that, with the Colombian and the uh, naturalization and the identity as a as a as a Latin American. I mean, there is a idea from a lot of people that they put all Latin Americans in the same same basket and thinking that we all kind of just 
we're going to stay together just because of the fact that we are Latin Americans. But that's not true. I mean, like some people from Central America will have some already bias with other countries in Latin America. There is a lot of classism in our culture, and that's that comes from our uh, legacy as a colony from Spain. It's like the wider you are, the the more European you are, the more benefits you have in your life. There's a lot of colorism too. So if you get the darker you are, the less opportunities you get on the scale. The more indigenous you look like, you are you're gonna consider be considered the other. So those things they still translate when you migrate here. So for an immigrant that comes here that probably that maybe is undocumented and is trying to live under the radar uh, for for their general society, it might also find some discrimination and problems with their own Latino community. So they might have a manager that will discriminate for for the with them because of the they're more indigenous looking or or because they know that they're undocumented and they can take advantage of them. That's part of the awful reality that we have as humans that we can like take advantage of others when we see vulnerable things. Well no actually when I moved to this country, when I moved to North Carolina, I actually understood better what racism is and how being treated different and being discriminated just by how you look and 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 how you talk and how you act and not even being given the benefit of the doubt you're immediately uh put on the on on the other side you know it's like i had i i have many encounters uh personally also professionally when i was working at the library in hendersonville i trying to introduce uh Spanish language programs to a community that was new to that and very conservative. I had people interrupting the programs that I was doing and asking, uh, why are these people in, in, in the library and asking why do they have to press one to speak English or asking why do they, are they using their tax dollars in, in, in to get in Spanish books and things like that in Kentucky. Uh, there were a lot of microaggressions daily, you know, just like people, just the simple thing of being in a supermarket and just being followed everywhere you are in the supermarket, every single aisle, you get to like your personal, uh, security <laughs> and shopper with you and don't be greeted like simple things are like being in line in the supermarket and you go to the cashier and the cashier have say, have greet everybody. But you, you know, so those are things that when you face to that every day, it, 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 it drains you, you know, it makes you, makes you very defensive. It makes you mm, don't appreciate the good things sometimes. When I was in Colombia too, you know, we also have that there in Colombia is more like a class thing. How you're dressed or cars. Yeah, or exactly. Yeah. Where you live. I mean, there's still the race, uh, base racism is like the darker you are or the more indigenous looking you are. Like I said, you will have more, it will be more difficult for you to advance in society. But all those things have formed the person that I am. You know, it's like, I, I think I, I feel, I consider myself lucky to be able to go through all those different experiences because it have 
even though sometimes they're really hard and sometimes you get to the end of the day and you're like, man, this is crazy how people can think like that. But it has helped me to continue the work that I'm doing, you know, that is trying to uh, get different conversations about race, get different conversations about immigration, get people more comfortable with their, uh, to step a little bit outside of the comfort zone and just like allow a little bit of like another language or another person to get into their spaces and, 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 and create a safe space where you can have conversations about race, about immigration, about the things that make us different. Because like I said, like in all those travels that I did, I realized that we, we are, as a human beings, we are the same. We are just separated by geography and culture. And when we come, when we find those common grounds, we can do great things. We can be better. We 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 can progress and and create a better world. What do we have in common as as human beings? What what would you say about that? Well, we all wake up every day. <laughs> <laughs> we all get hungry and look for food. We all uh, have dreams. We all uh, have families and people that we care for. And then we'll go through the 24 hours of the day trying to be, uh, trying to understand what we're doing in this planet. So those are the things that we have in common that we sometimes don't think about it, that, that we all feel pain when we're hurt. We all uh, get tired and then we'll go to sleep. That's something that we all do regardless of who you are, what you think, where you were born or how much money you have or how much money you don't have. We all have those same necessities. So that makes us one. You came, um, was it June? You came June. Mm-hmm. to Mendocino County and you had been recruited by KZYX and a quite brilliant job posting created by Alicia Bales, our mm-hmm. program director then. And what, what about that job attracted you? It was a very ambitious job that you undertook to create a, a daily newscast and do a lot of outreach into the Spanish-speaking community and also to create a bilingual service, mm-hmm. and, which is really a challenge, I think. It is, but uh, at that time... I spent like four or five years uh, in Lexington, Kentucky, working with Radio Lex or Lexington Community Radio. And that was a bilingual radio station. There was a radio station still really young. It's under seven year. And I was there for five of those seven years. And what they have is a community radio station, also with volunteer programmers, with a really small staff. And that it broadcast and one signal in English and one signal in Spanish under one roof. So I already have that experience of like doing bilingual radio. I wore many hats in that station. I, I was hired as the programming director. And when I left, uh, I was the programming director for the two stations and station manager, volunteer coordinator, uh, outreach person. And the, my, the general manager was the other person who worked with me. And we were, we were pretty much at the end, just two people running the station. So, uh, I was doing a lot of, uh, uh, weekly and daily programming of news in, in Spanish for the Spanish station and also for the, 
for the English station, and I was doing outreach and collaborations with everybody. So, uh, and we went through COVID with that station, so that was kind of like a really interesting experience. So after 40 years, I, I thought that it was time to move on. It was time to open the door for the station to, because I was doing so much, uh, I realized that the only way that the station could continue the job was for me to step down and open the door for to recruit a team. And that was what happened when I left. We ended up hiring three people to do the the work that we were doing. So uh I've, I've, i that was in december of uh 2021 so i took some time off after kind of like almost three years of without taking a vacation and start uh job search i knew i wanted to be in radio like now i know this is something that i want to do for as, as my career now and i went through a lot of uh, job interviews, and at the end, I have uh, I was lucky to have been a, given the chance to visit uh, different radio stations, and KCYX was the one who presented the the, trans, the most logical transition of the work that I was doing, you know, because I, I was already doing bilingual radio, I was already doing the news part. And I knew how to go to a community and use the business card of community radio to open the doors and create those uh, partnerships and networks that you need to do the work that you need to do. So the the position that you presented when I was reading it is like, oh yeah, that's this this seems exactly what uh, I could move. You know, like it will go with with the work that I've done over all these years. And then when I came to visit here, I just really loved the the, the space, the landscape, the the Mendocino is beautiful. I mean, it's like you can. Uh, I'm still when I'm driving around, I still just have to focus really, really focus on the road and don't get distracted with the nature. Like today, I was driving and then looking at the snow on the mountains and and had the, the contrast with the others. Like yeah, it's beautiful. And so yeah, it was. It wasn't a hard decision, and then I uh, was lucky to get the position, pack everything again, and move from coast to coast. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, so our our challenging um, position wasn't well. It compared uh, compared closely with really what you'd been doing, doing three jobs. <laughs> yeah. And and what you said is ambitious. It is ambitious because trying to uh, do bilingual content and trying to uh, get community radio and doing that because for not English speakers and for not English speakers and for people that are not used to public media here in the United States and community media, sometimes it's really challenging to understand that you can be part of a radio station that you don't have to pay to be a programmer, that you, they can train you and you can be a programmer. Um, and another challenging thing is like, people don't do, listen to radio as they used to. So, uh, and uh, Casey Wax has uh, listenership 
that it's been there for 30 years. It's like the people that have been listening from the beginning, that how do you get new people to listen to the station, new voices and be part of the station? That's, that's always a challenge. And that's a challenge that not only this station have many, many community radio stations around the country have, uh, are going through the same thing, demographic changes and, and different ways to listen to the radio. You're competing with way more, uh, with what I call the, grandsons of radio there's like all this podcast and all the digital media that you can have there so the challenge was attractive you know it was ambitious it was still ambitious i think that it's still very uh possible and i think that uh, mendocino have a lot of talent and a lot of people that are already involved into making uh casey wax continue for this 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 incredible the project of like involving all the voices, voices that need to be in the station. Yeah. So you did, you did substantial outreach in the community, including um, surveys of Spanish speaking listeners or potential listeners. What, what did you find? Yeah, there was, uh, I basically continued the survey that Alicia started before I got here. She already had conducted some interviews with, uh, people in different parts of the, of, uh, Mendocino. Uh, we changed some of the questions, kind of like put it more into uh, what we wanted to know. And, uh, basically I was, we were interested. And knowing where people get information, especially when there's an emergency, uh, information, local information, information about local government, and just knowing in general if they, uh, how are their listening habits and if they listen to KCYX. We interview people here in Ukiah and in the coast mainly. And thanks to uh, Loreto and Diana, we were able also to participate in a workshop of podcast and have the time to talk to some of the people there too. But what what I've, what we found is that the Latinos, Spanish-speaking community, they're not as familiar with KCYX as other communities might be, probably not familiar at all. They don't consume local information in Spanish because they don't find it. So they consume more uh, national information from like TV networks, like Telemundo, things like that. They consume their uh, local information is mostly by uh, social media. So they go to Facebook, they go to their friends, families. When there's an emergency, that's what they go through to know what to do is just basically their text the WhatsApp, Facebook, and YouTube. That's what they go to get local information. So, uh, so there is a lot of work to do. <laughs> there is a lot of necessity to get the uh, Spanish speakers that are part of the area, they're part of the um, our community to get involved into trusting and knowing about KCYX because that part of the uh, survey and going to different places to do this survey was also to get people to recognize KCYX and to know that we exist. So we, we got a table with a logo and I have a lot of like outreach materials that people were doing their 
they're answering the questions and they will leave with a little brochure or a button or a sticker, something that make them remember to get like that brand recognition of KCYX and also to think about like, oh, maybe I'm going to tune in and, and, and see what's going on. So another big thing is like, like I was saying, people don't, don't have radios anymore. So and that's, that's a big challenge because you go with a radio station and people only listen to the radio during their commute mm-hmm. on their cars. But then they go home and it's a completely different story. Mm-hmm. So how to get them to download the app or use the app or just stream. So, and that's a challenge, not with uh, Latino communities, but with every community. So what we discovered is like, there's a lot of work to do. <laughs> there is a lot, there's a great opportunity to get all these communities involved because the main thing for me is like, people want information. People want to be involved. People want to get uh, their, like, uh, serious programming you know like sometimes when you listen to the english programming in in kcyx those are intelligent and provoking conversations and you sometimes you you listen to it and you learn something and and you take that for granted because our spanish community they want to listen to things like that but they don't have an uh, outlet for it i mean uh mendo latino does that and they do a great job bringing like really interesting conversations on the earth but uh, but there is room for many more conversations and more local information. One of the things that I did during my time here that I really like, and I hope it can continue, is a, a civic conversation that I have once a month with the, our uh, council member, uh, Juan Orozco, where we were sitting down and just talking about how government works. You know, what 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 do the uh, city council do how do they rotate how do you get elected how do you get involved how do you communicate with them you know things that you think that everybody knows but when you think about it they don't if you're from a community that's been historically uh underground <laughs> for many reasons uh they they are not they're not going to feel confident that they can go and talk to their uh to their leaders because they're not gonna they're not gonna feel welcome they're not gonna feel like they have their right to do it but they do so i think that was a good conversation to have and i hope it can continue you focused on different areas besides that too um, you switched off every week you would focus on a different um part yeah, of that's kind of the system yeah that's a model that i really like for um Spanish language and working with new immigrants. I always think about myself trying to navigate this, uh, this country and trying to learn how to do things. It's very complicated, especially if you don't speak the language. So I talk to the self-help, uh, service with the court once, once a month. And they were just explaining basic things that you need to know when you go to court. Uh, I was talking with immigration services in, in Santa Rosa that they come here to Mendocino once a month and just talking to them about uh, immigration policies and things that are already ch- always changing or, or, or just basic things about immigration. I was talking with Juan, like I mentioned, we were starting to talk with the health department that I think is a very important part, just having uh, the voice of the health department and just listening that in your language and getting to know, I mean, we, we went through a pandemic and 
it was it could be a life changing event if you can listen to things in your own language. It's very different if you can listen to something and you don't have to translate it in your head. It it makes an impact in your life. Uh, so I was basically just reaching out to all kinds of different organizations and and doing that using radios and educational tool for people to uh, help help them to navigate their local uh, their community and their agencies they're already doing services because there are a lot of great agencies and government organizations and private organizations people they're already doing work bilingually or in uh, or uh, targeting the latino community but people don't know about it so i like to use the power of community radio to make that bridge you know create those spaces so people can benefit from that Mm -hmm. can you talk about what it's like to be bilingual because you're very very fluent in english and obviously spanish is your mother tongue and you probably speak other languages as well but these are i think your primary languages i i I wish i speak more this is my two languages and and it's funny when you go to I was in Belgium not long ago and I was sitting with people at a table and everybody spoke like French and Dutch and English. <laughs> and I was like, I only speak two languages, but <laughs> it's, it's great. I mean, I think it, it does something. It, it, it makes you understand how a great uh, muscle is your brain that can. I don't know. It can do things that you'd never imagine. It's a whole process when you start learning a language when, because it's very frustrating at the beginning. Like you feel like an idiot when you're trying to communicate with people and you're thinking one thing, but the words that come out of your mouth are completely different and people don't understand. And you start like recognizing those uh, people faces as they kind of like being really polite with you. (laughs) <laughs> but you know that I have no idea what you're saying. <laughs> so it's a journey. And I mean, living, I was lucky to move here in the United States, but it was not as much Spanish influence like it is right now. Right now you have the TV channels and Univision and all these things. When I moved here, I, there was not that, that much. And I wasn't really, I kind of like disconnected from TV and all that. Uh, I think, you know, like radio, I think it helped me a lot to uh, work on my English because I was listening to a lot of the news and things in in in, in, in English and kind of like get my ear educated that way to the, to the language. Um, having friends that only spoke English also helped. Having a bilingual one, my wife was... Uh, it's Colombian, but he grew up in North Carolina speaking English. So we had like 13 years of uh, uh, conversational practice. <laughs> so that helped a lot. But no, it's, it's a great tool. I always, I, I remember having conversations with some friends about how being bilingual is kind of like, a, it's your superpower, you know, it's, is a tool that you can use and will open doors for you in many situations and allow you to think or see things in a different way. You kind of like always try, you you have a reference to think about the other part because you know that 
even a phrase can have different meanings in different languages. So, mm-hmm. and, and it's like a constant, uh, stimulation to you for your brain. <laughs> and when you, I mean, there's a moment when you realize that you're not translating anymore in your head because for many years, you are like in a fraction of seconds, just translating really quick everything you hear and then what you're going to say. And then there is a moment when you realize like, oh, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just talking, you know, I'm just speaking, I'm speaking my mind in another language, but yeah. it's a, it's still an everyday struggle. You know, there are some times where I wake up in the wrong side of the brain and I make no sense in English. And there will be some times where I wake up in the other side of the brain, I'll make no sense in Spanish. So it's also uh, uh, a double, uh, I mean, it's a, it's, it's a superpower, but also can be, uh, what is the opposite of superpower? Uh, uh, no. I don't know. Helpless. <laughs> Disability. <laughs> yeah. Um... But, I, but I would love to learn more languages. I, I, I know a little bit of French, but I don't speak it. And I think that that's one thing that I'll, will open the door for you to many things if you are able to communicate with people. You're off shortly to Radio Bilingue based in Fresno. Yes. What will be your, your new job? I'm going to be the news producer for the Central Valley. So I, so I still... Can, I'm still kind of like digesting the fact that I'm going to work with a radio station, an organization that I've been listening to since, I mean, since my times at uh, WBPM. That was the first time that I, because they used to carry uh, Línea Abierta, that's their national program. And Samuel Orozco is one of the, is their news director and the uh, host of that show. What I'm going to be doing is basically bringing back their uh, local content. Like for many years, they have concentrated in the national uh, programming with their news program, uh, Linea Abierta, and they have other small kind of like local um, news programs. But what they want to create is going back to where what they started. It's like with a news uh Spanish language news, uh, newscast that they want to produce. So, um, I'm going to be able to hire two reporters and the idea is to start producing, uh, local news from the Central Valley. So I'm really excited about that. I'm going to get to learn another community and hopefully I can, uh, duplicate those things that we We'll try there in another radio stations around California and maybe around uh, the country. And that's why I feel that I'm living in Northern California, but I don't think I'm abandoning Northern California because I think that I'm going to be having a, a better impact in a bigger audience because Radio Bilingue can be, it repeats here. You can hear it on the coast and you can hear it in different places. And if we create a format that can be replicated. We can help other stations like KCYX to uh, continue doing their work of uh, having Spanish language and other language and, and news, local, locally produced news. So I'm going to do something very similar. I'm going to go there, do a lot of outreach, get in the contact with all of these different organizations and, and start 
that project of uh, producing local news for the Central Valley. I'm going to help the KCYX continue to do that Monday uh, Spanish language information. And hopefully we can also continue having, or I can help you to carry the local, also local information and national information and statewide information. How long will you be, how long will it take for you to be up and running with your newscast? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. It will be, I mean, taken from the experience here, it could take a couple of months before you can have at least like a 15 minutes, not a newscast, but something similar to what I'm doing right now, like talking that educational part before you get into a real newscast. So uh, I'll give myself also like six months to a year to have like a, a real newscast going. And I mean, always the challenging part is get to know the issues of one particular region and, and location. So I was lucky here to uh, have Sarah Riley, Sarah Wright and, um, and Alicia and, and the stringers and the work that it was already built in the English part. So I wasn't building something new. I was just like continuing and, and trying to add to the work that it was done. So it was, it, I was learning the issues from them. And it was a great experience. I, I, that's one of the best things about community radios. Like you can, you can go to a community and you get to know and to learn so many parts of a community that in a regular job you don't get to see. You know, you, you talk to hundreds of people that are the programmers that go to the station every day and you get a relationship with them. Then if you're doing news, you get that contact with all organizations and people and give you all kind of this pers different perspective. You get to talk with the council members, with the majors, with the, with the government organizations because you're, you're offering a service. So it gives you a really good opportunity to get to know, uh, a community from many different parts and very, very in depth. So I've, I've been, I've been lucky to, been able to have this opportunity not only here in Northern California, but also in Kentucky and in North Carolina and now in the Central Valley. And hopefully I can use the the tools and the skills that I have now doing this in many different communities and try to replicate that and, and see if we can have that newscast and that production as soon as we can. Mm. So I, I don't know if we really talked about... Um... Uva or, or the organizations that you've made contact to. No, and that's, I mean, that's a, I was very lucky to, and Mendocino is very lucky to have an organization like Uva and have a newspaper like El Punto that even if it's a small newspaper, they carry that responsibility to, uh, being the Spanish language beacon of information for people. And UA is a grand organization. It's a young organization and they're doing the right work of like, uh, I mean, our immigrant communities for different reasons, they tend to be an invisible community and it tend to be under the radar. And it's sometimes it's really hard to reach out to them and to bring all the opportunities that they have. And that's what UBA is doing, you know, it's going to the neighborhoods, it's organizing, uh, the people. They have the trust from the community that's so important with, with all underrepresented communities, like, because you cannot go to a community and just say like, Hey, uh, I'm here. I'm going to help you. No, 
You have to build trust. You have to let people get involved. Let them know that they're part of what the, the decision making and and part of the important part of the program they're doing. And that's what Uva is doing. It's a grassroots organization. I think they only have two staff uh, employees and everything else is just a volunteer board and they meet once a month. But for me, especially being able, like, I think one of the first things that I did when I got here was uh, participated in this Zoom meeting that they have every every month, the UVA meeting. And that's that's amazing for the type of work that I do and for uh, doing networking with the Latino community, having the opportunity to sit down with the people that are already doing work on the ground and learn learn from them, uh, just hear what they have to say and what they need. And working on a radio station, you can go and, and present uh, an opportunity like, well, we have uh, we have a microphone <laughs> and we can help you to get people know about what you're doing. So let's collaborate. So that was UA was a very important part of my time here. The same as Nuestra Alianza and Willits, the same of the work that people are doing in in in, in Fort Bragg in the coast. That I don't think they have a organization there. Maybe they do, but I didn't talk to them. But I talked to a lot of people there that just people from the community. That is a small community, but it's very united, and you know that they're working together as a, as Latinos in the coast to don't be that invisible community. Another thing is like you have a generation here of young Latinos that are already third generation or second generation, and they're bilingual not only on language but also bicultural, and they can navigate in it and in the two cultures very easy and that's uh this that's an opportunity for Mendocino, not only for KCYX but for the whole uh region to reach out to those communities, to give them opportunities to stay here and to use their talents for the benefit of the whole community, for the benefit of this beautiful region. Mm. You've you've had many poetic possible endings, Victor. Um, I, I do want to ask one more question, though. And that, so what about, I, I know in um, perhaps it's your resignation um, letter, you talked about the needs of the uh, Spanish-speaking community um, and how that, how those dovetail with the, the needs of the county or the community in the county. Could you speak a bit about that? Well, the, yeah, the, like, I keep repeating this, but this, the Latino community is still an invisible community. And there's a big challenge that they have to feel more of that feeling of belonging and like being invited, not only invited, but feeling that they can participate to all the benefits that they currently have. And I know county is working on that. I know that there are uh, many, many organizations, not only KCYX, but other ones that are uh, doing the effort to reach out to these communities. But it takes time. It, it, it's, it's a matter of getting trust. It's a matter of like using these organizations like UWA and these young people that are here in the region. And our region like many regions, that is also going through a demographic change and uh, also generational change. 
And this is an opportunity for the whole community to reach out to those uh, immigrant communities because they tend to be younger, they tend to be uh, family-oriented, but and they tend to like the place that where they are, they belong here, they grew up here, they, they, this is their home. So there is a challenge there to connect all this community, all these people and those, this talent and all this community, make them feel that they belong, start creating leaders and start preparing leaders. You know, like when you think about our board of directors of other organizations, board of directors, like what is that challenge that they have to reach out to their communities, but you have to start from just going to them instead of like waiting for them to come to you. So mm-hmm. it's uh that's that's a big challenge. Like how do you create those paths in Mendocino for put the spotlight in these invisible communities and invite them in the right way to be part of the conversation. Not as a token, not as a somebody that will just sit in the table to listen, but somebody that will sit at the table will be part of the conversation and it will be part of the solution. That's a, that's a big challenge that we have here in, in Mendocino. I think that we have in all communities. There's not a right or wrong answer for that or, or way to do it. It's just like realizing that there's a lot of potential in doing that. And the only way to start is just like go to these communities and start being present. You know, go to El Dia de los Niños, or go to, uh, don't, just don't wait to the Hispanic Heritage Month to do an activity with the Latino community. But just be present there every month. Attend the UBA meetings. I don't know. The schools are such a big places to, to start and having those connections with young people mm-hmm. in, in universities. So. It's, I don't have a, uh, an answer. That's my job is like try to go to different communities and try to figure out those answers. Unfortunately, I didn't have the time here, but I feel, I feel really good about the time here. I mean, it's been six months, but, and, and my body, it feels longer than that because we were really busy doing things and I got to, uh, meet a lot of people and learn a lot. And, and I know that the task, probably now feel like uh too ambitious and 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 not probably not obtainable but i think it can be done i think that the talent is here i think that the necessity is here to start including in the case of the session start including more voices that are not the same and start having that um because that only is going to enrich the the station and and the listenership and the and and in our experience as people from Mendocino are listening to different things and different opinions and get used to listen different languages I think that's one of the main things like people will get used to listen to bilingual news or listen or, or having to just wait one more minute for that same thing that you understand in your language to be repeated in another language. It doesn't take too long and it kind of is going to help you to live and see a little bit of the perspective of others. Well, we'll miss you. Yeah, I'll I'll be back for sure. <laughs> yeah. uh, I'll be connected. Yeah. And I'll miss, I miss everything too. Uh, it's, it's been a great experience. I, I learned so much about California, Mendocino, and radio 
I mean, the radio station's been here for so long, and I love all the characters in community radio, and KCYX didn't disappoint. It's like, it's amazing people. If you get involved in community radio, doing radio, you are a little bit of a character, so it's, it's beautiful. It's the people that make this world, world, world feel like a, a place that you want to wake up every day and continue doing things. Well, thanks so much. Thanks so much, Victor. Thank you, Marty. It was a pleasure to work with you and I'm sure we'll, we'll, we'll still. Oh, we still, connected. we didn't talk about art waves. We've got oh, art waves. In there. Art waves. Okay. So that, so. that was, uh, yeah, that was, uh, it was funny because I, I think it was one of my first or second week when it, we were talking about like, oh, we need, we always wanted to have like this art show. I'm a visual artist, as you know, and I love art and, uh, I, it, it was a amazing opportunity to get to know the big, how big the artist community is here in Mendocino. You might not see it on the surface, but it's full of great art, great artists, amazing talent everywhere. And that's when, when, when we were talking about, uh, some of the things that we have in common as humans, art and culture and food are some of those things that doesn't matter what you are, where you live, there's always going to be either one of those. And those are one of the things that, uh, you can share as human being. I mean, you don't need to speak, uh, art to appreciate a painting. You don't, you, you, you don't need to, to speak the language of a composer to appreciate their music or, or even poetry. I have, I have a friend from India and she recites all these amazing poems in, in Hindi and I have no idea what she's saying, but just the melody and the words she's saying is, is beautiful. So that's something that we have, we share as humans is one of the most, for me, is one of the most important part of being a human. And thank to you. And think that was, it was a great experience to have this show together with you, our waves. And now it's going to continue. How do you feel about our waves? Oh, I loved it too. And I was so grateful to you for taking the lead on it and naming it. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much. Thank you. For KZYX and Z, I'm Marty Derlin. Thanks for listening. This has been a production of Mendocino County Public Broadcasting. KZYX, Philo 90.7 FM, KZYZ, Willits and Ukiah 91.5 FM, and Fort Bragg at 88.1 FM. You can find more content like this on our website at kzyx.org, and consider donating by clicking the red donate button in the upper right corner. Thank you for listening.